This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hey everybody, Steve Peter, President of SLC Management. Thanks for dialing in. Today, I'm really excited to be with Cliff Corso, who's President of Advisors Asset Management. Cliff, thanks for taking a few moments today. Thanks for having me, Steve. My pleasure to be here. This is a really big day for Cliff and I. We're recording this on February 1st, and today we are actually closing our deal in which SLC will be making an investment in Advisors Asset Management, AEM, and they'll be kind of part of our fold and give SLC and its uh, affiliate companies with alternative capabilities access through AEM into the retail market. So we are we are really excited about that. And Cliff and I, uh, this started about a year and a half ago when Cliff and I connected. So it's a, it's a big day. So what we wanted to talk about was that core demand today, uh, you know, in today's call about all the demand in the, in the retail market for alternatives. So Cliff, let me start with this. What does demand for alternatives look like among retail investors and particularly in the high net worth market, which is probably the sector of retail, which is most appropriate to be investing in alternatives? Yeah. And I'd just also like to say first, Steve, on behalf of all of uh, the folks today, and we're, we couldn't be more excited to join the SLC family officially. So looking forward to growing the business throughout the years together. In terms of the growth opportunity for alternatives in high net worth retail, I don't think it's an understatement to say that demand for alternatives is quite robust. If you look at alternative allocations within retail and high net worth portfolios, they're one of the fastest growing components of retail portfolio allocations. And if you look at that market and begin to slice and dice it a little bit, well, first I should say the retail market is very large. It's equal to the institutional market in size and growing more rapidly. It's a multi, multi-trillion dollar market, about $100 trillion. Today, allocations are somewhere in the order of 2 to 3%, depending on who one is asking. They're growing exponentially. Last year, we saw close to a trillion dollars of allocations across the full retail and high net worth market, just shy of that. But again, the point is it's growing at about a 30, 35% compounded annual growth rate. And then within the retail market as well, we'll focus on high net worth, but within the retail market, it's it's even higher growth rates uh, due to the advent of some of the new vehicles that uh, have been created. So it's a multi-trillion dollar opportunity and a long wave opportunity for us. So these are huge pools and you've got allocations growing at huge double digit rates that you mentioned. So this is really is a mega trend. So what's driving that? So there are two big drivers within the high net worth and retail market. And the first is just the dire need for investor portfolios to produce better return at and risk outcomes than the traditional 60-40, that being 60% public equities, 40% public bonds. But that's sort of the main model that many, not only retail, but institutional investors have been following, certainly in the retail market. And you know the, the, the results, particularly as of late, have been, let's just say, underwhelming, particularly when investors are trying to produce steady income diversification within the portfolio. So if you look at what alternatives can help generate as part of an allocation to a overall portfolio, alternatives, uh, which by the way, I should define alternatives that could be anything from crypto to NFTs and then everything in between. What we're really talking about here and where the demand is, is in a core alternative allocations and income producing assets, such as we're lucky to have here at SLC, real estate, private credit infrastructure, and adding those kinds of exposures in in the private markets can do three or four key things to help the portfolio. One is higher yields. We're operating in private markets. Uh, They're less crowded than the public markets and therefore the ability to generate uh, a little bit better yield. One has to sacrifice a little bit of liquidity. They're private assets after all, uh, but uh, a very handsome opportunity for income enhancement as well as uh, alpha generation. 
public markets uh, being very crowded and increasingly so, it's harder and harder to generate alpha. So a little bit less crowded in in the um, uh, private markets. Uh, lower correlations to uh, the public markets, which help equal uh, lower volatility for the overall portfolio. So in essence, adding alternatives helps soften the blow of that that dire need for all these properties to produce uh, better uh, better portfolio outcomes. I would say the second key driver that's been holding high net worth and retail back has been just access. It's been a real pain point up until uh, recent years for retail to access uh, these types of alternatives. Historically, they have come with very long lockups in, in, in the more traditional structures outward of 10 years. Capital calls, so uncertainty around when you have to add more capital into those vehicles, complex subscription documents, complex tax documents. That's been the pain point, but that's changed uh, pretty dramatically over the last three to five years. There's been an evolution in much more friendly vehicle types, uh, which we'll be tapping and using these vehicles where they're registered funds typically, but they come with simplified tax documents, uh, more transparency, as well as simplified way to access in terms of putting your money to work. Confluence of those two, two key events are enabling the growth of alternatives within the high net worth and retail markets. So this is obviously a big trend. It's going to evolve. So as you look forward, what do you think the future growth of alternatives looks like? Well, Steve, I think you and I have talked about this uh, even from the early days when we first started talking. And I think um, you know maybe three words describe it. It's a huge growth opportunity. Uh, it's one of the largest growth opportunities that the asset management market has seen in decades. And that that goes not just for retail high net worth, but for it's been one of the bigger ones in the institutional uh, in the institutional market. So I mentioned earlier some of the, the sizes, just to, just to size this, you know, the retail market being uh, over uh, an INET worth market being over $100 trillion. If you took that current allocation number and just roughed it around 5%, and then if you were to uh, talk to most, if not all, the major uh, financial advisory firms like Merrill Lynch, UBS, um, Morgan Stanley, and the like, they have target allocations through time, upwards of 15 to 30% plus. So if you even use the lower end of that band from 5% uh, to 15%, you know, 10% of $100 trillion is a lot of money, obviously, north of $10 trillion opportunity through time, very large opportunity. And then what's key about it is where will that growth come within alternatives? Again, I've mentioned some of the core allocations, which are still the top in demand, again, which we are uh, lucky to have here at SLC, real estate, private uh, lending and private credit. Those are garnering two-thirds of the uh, asset allocation within uh, the growth within alternatives. And that's as far as the eye can see in terms of home office recommendations. But I would note the fastest growing category is infrastructure. And with uh, not only BGO and real estate, Crescent and private credit, we have infrared and infrastructure. And we're really um, optimistic on the growth path of infrastructure, particularly with inflation now and concerns, uh, real assets, infrastructure, and real estate uh, hold a great, great promise. But I think we're in really good shape to try to capture a really long and powerful growth trend within alternatives. Well, I, as we were talking about at the beginning of this, you know, we couldn't be more excited now at SLC to be able to uh, participate in all the growth you're talking about now that we've, we've partnered with AEM. So I couldn't be more excited. I like to end these by switching gears and asking a personal question. So I know you love to scuba dive, but I think that may also mean at times being down there with sharks. So give me give me some insight into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, something my son got got me into, I got us into uh, many, many years ago when he was uh, just about 10 years old. And I, I guess I was, hey, despite being a fixed income guy at heart, we're, we're known to be conservative. I guess outside the office, I just throw caution to the wind. He and I started diving and uh, I think it was our first dive 
Uh, we encountered some sharks, and by the way, they're they're you know they're out there. I hate to say that people are, are afraid of that, but they're really actually pretty pretty docile when you're down underneath the water with them. They're they're a little little bit timid. On the 25, 30 dives, you know, it's it's just been pretty exciting. Although I will say, if you're down 100 or 150 feet in the cold water, and uh, this uh, you know happened, uh, a hammerhead came brushing by my son and I and some of the other divers, and all we had was a plastic PVC pipe to push him away, and that's the moment where you're like. How did I get it into the next one? <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's something we enjoy to do. But... Well, I figured you're supposed to punch him in the nose if you get a bath again. Is that really feasible? But I don't know how they'd react, but uh, I guess if this is what you got to do, you got to do. But, you know, again, they're pretty timid. So, uh, uh, but uh, if we have to punch them, we'll punch them. I've never had that happen. I have had a, a shark take a bonefish out of my hands when I was taking out the hooks. So then, was, luckily, I kept on my fingers. But well, thanks, Cliff, for taking the time. Really looking forward now to being able to work together. And uh, thanks to everyone for dialing into this episode of Three and Five. Thanks again, Steve.